Greetings in our Lord Jesus Christ, and welcome to the audio ministry of Christ Church of Livingston County. The following are three excerpts from a Covenant Renewal worship service led by Pastor Dirk DeWinkle, teaching elder at Christ Church. We trust you will be edified and ministered to by the Holy Spirit through this audio recording. privilege, because of my interest in history, to visit a variety of historical locations and buildings um, throughout our nation, um, even a little bit in Canada. I've had the honor of going into and walking around some of the oldest homes and buildings in America, um, also in the states of, you know, narrowing it down to the states of Indiana, New Mexico, Virginia, Massachusetts, New York, Michigan and like I said, even parts of Ontario. And I saw and touched when I was younger, when I was very young, um, the oldest home in the English settled Americas in Massachusetts, and that dated back to the 1630s. Um, I traversed around and observed some of the homes when I was living in New Mexico of the Pueblo and the Anasazi Indians uh, down there in the southwest. Um, some of those uh, pueblos and all of that were, have been continuously inhabited uh, dating back to like the 14th, 13th centuries, um, which is amazing. I've walked through the oldest continuously inhabited building in Michigan dating back to the late 1600s or early 1700s. I've walked through Fort Niagara in New York that dates back to the late 1600s. Our family has also toured through Monticello in Virginia, which is Jefferson's home. Um, that dates back to the 1760s. And so saying all of that, one of the things that is noticeable is that these homes and buildings that have been continuously lived in and cared for are still in relatively good shape. When you go to visit these places, you're in awe because they're in good shape. They've been cared for and taken care of. Enough so much that they're still inhabitable. People are still living there. They've been repaired when needed, and these buildings are observed diligently so that they do not fall into disrepair, do not decline. Yet every day, my, myself on my way to work at Country Dairy, um, on my way, just probably about a mile from my house, is an old house. You know, it looks like an old, old house. Um, it was probably built about the same time as the house that I live in, um, so about 100 years ago or so, um, 100, maybe 120 years ago. So since we've moved into our home and moved into our area, um, and I pass by that house very often, each year over the nine years that we've lived there, I've watched it fall further and further and further into ruin. Um, when we first moved there, um, the walls and some of the roof was still on that house. And today, as you go past, um, it keeps sinking and sinking and sinking. So there's no more roof on there, and the walls are all kind of about like this, and it's falling down. The walls are mostly collapsed. Well, why is that? That house is the same age as my house. It's 100 years old. And I've walked through houses and buildings and things like that that go back 400 years. What, what's the difference there? Well, it's because the families that once cared for this home have drifted away. Right? They've drifted away. They've neglected what was once their home. And that home doesn't receive attention 
anymore. And with no one to care for the home, to watch it, to keep it, to uh, take care of it slowly over time, what happens? Slowly over time, the abandoned home falls apart, crumbles. Jesus talks about a building as well. Now, Jesus talks about building a house upon a rock, right? So they have a strong foundation. Build that house upon the rock, which is really him, so that it will stand the storms and the raging weather that's, that's around and all of the things that fall against a home. But what do the foolish do? The foolish build their house upon the sand, don't they? And when trials come and all of that, because they have no foundation, that home falls apart. These are pictures of what can happen in our lives when we neglect our faith. When we neglect our faith. When we drift away. Uh, when we neglect so great a salvation. What happens? Our lives can decline. Our spiritual life falls apart. So we see here in the text for today that the author is providing Christians with a warning and a command. The command is to give heed. Give heed. Pay attention to the things that we have heard. And the warning is to do so lest we drift away and decline or even apostatize. Hebrews is a warning to the Hebrew Christians, so the text of Hebrews, a warning to the Hebrew Christians who are being persecuted by fellow Jews, oftentimes, for going and following after Christ. He's saying to these Hebrews that, have, that are not Christians, they're Christ followers, he's saying to them, do not give in to their persecution. Do not drift away. Remain steadfast. And we need to hear this today because we too can drift away. We can drift. So the text opens, Therefore we must give the more earnest heed to the things we have heard, lest we drift away. So we must give earnest heed to the things we have heard. The term earnest heed is, in, in Greek, is a nautical term meaning to hold the course. Hold the course or to secure the anchor so that you're not drifting away. So give, her, give earnest heed. Hold the course. Secure the anchor. And so Christians are to remain steadfast on the course. What is that course? That course is God's word. He's given these things. And his, so he says, the things that we have heard. Stay the course on the things that you have heard. And what have we heard? Well, if you look in the context of Hebrews and you're looking at chapter 1, in the context of Hebrews, we have, you can see there in, in that text about the supremacy over Christ, of Christ over the angels. So the supremacy of Christ over the angels and that he is over all creation. In fact, he's the creator. He's created it all. And you can also see in there uh, about the greatness. And so as you read that, you can hear about the greatness of salvation that is found in Christ alone. And we really need to remember as well the principles that we've learned about all of God's word. You know, that's also contained in it. He's talking to Hebrew Christians and they've grown up with the scriptures, then he's saying you need to hear the word of God. You know, everything that you've heard all your life, as it applies to Christ now, and apply that to Christ. So what have we heard? What are the principles that have, we've learned about all of God's word? 
the simple message that he is God and we are not. Here's be real simple. He's God and we are not. We are mere creatures. And that we're sinful creatures. And that we have a sin problem. And so salvation is from the Lord and from him alone. And even the Hebrew Christians would see that. They would see that in the Old Testament scriptures, right? God is the one who is redeeming his people. He is the one who is faithful to his promises to his people. And then as they come in to the New Testament period, they're hearing about Christ. They're hearing about who Christ is. That's why they're Hebrew Christians. Because they have seen that salvation is the Lord through Jesus Christ. And so we need to remember the simple fact that Jesus is Lord. He is the way, the truth, the life, and that salvation is found in no one else. And we do so, we remember all of those things. You know, we give earnest heed to all of these things, these things that we have heard, for a purpose, lest we drift away. That's why it's so important to always be going back to his word. And again, lest we drift away is another nautical term. When something's not anchored, or the rudder is not working, what's going to happen to the ship? It's going to drift. It's going to be set adrift. I remember when I was a young child growing up just outside of Chicago, in Indiana, but kind of outside of Chicago, and we got WGN. Um, and WGN, uh, every Sunday afternoon, they would have family classics. And so it was a TV show, and you could watch all these old classic movies. And one of them was that they showed usually once a year was Treasure Island. And loved that movie. It was a great movie. Enjoyed watching it. And, you know, the young young man in there, um, he was dealing with all these pirates and stuff. And he managed to sneak back aboard the ship. And if you've ever seen that movie or read the book, he set that ship adrift. He cut the rope crawled up into that ship, and he was going to take that ship away, so the pirates didn't have anything to get their treasure out with. And so he set that ship adrift, and as that ship drifted away, you know, the pirates that were on the ship, drunk and all of that, didn't even realize that the ship was drifting until it struck land, until it struck the reef. And then they knew that's the same thing that's being talked about here. This is a warning to Christians. How can we drift away? In what ways do we drift away? Doug Wilson says, Great unfaithfulness begins with small driftings. Great unfaithfulness begins with small driftings. So usually, in other words, drifting doesn't begin by some big argument someone makes or by someone waking up one day and just deciding to abandon the faith. Right? That doesn't typically happen. Instead, drifting comes about in small things. Drifting comes about in small compromises, giving into a little sin here, giving into a little sin there, and the drift has begun. One of the things that I have seen with friends and acquaintances is often it begins first by skipping church. That's one of the driftings. By skipping church, you know, I, I don't feel like going today. And so you make an excuse, and you drift away from that. Or, I've got this, or I'm going traveling, and I'm going to use this day as a travel day. Or, I'm going to uh, go on vacation, and we don't really need to go to you know, worship on vacation. And so you begin to make small compromises, and that's one way that that can happen. 
is by making that neglect of meeting with the saints, showing that it is in a priority in our lives. And I saw that over and over again with guys in college, when I was in college and in the dorms, and I'm with these guys who grew up in Christian homes. They were, you know, would, people would look at them and say, these are solid Christian young men. And they get to college, and they stay up late on Saturday night. And they stay up maybe till 2 or 3 o'clock in the morning, and then they're too tired to really go, I'm, I'm just going to skip church. It's not necessary. I'm just, I'm okay with Jesus. And so they stop meeting in church. And then it happens the next week again. And then the next week again. And pretty soon that becomes their pattern in life. And I've known some of those young men to never come back to the faith. They just drifted away. They didn't make any big, huge, conscious decision. They just drifted away. And they haven't come back to the church. And that was a Christian college. Um, for others, it was little sins. Um, guys that I was dealing with, guys that I've dealt with over the years, um, watching skin flicks. So you go to the movies, you go to these rated R movies that have nudity in them, and you're watching that. And that's one small compliment. So it's, it's just a little thing. That could matter. And so you begin to make some excuses for that. And then that might lead on to, and has, and young guys that I know, leads on to pornography, and then promiscuity, and then fornication, and making excuses all along the way, and compromising the scriptures all along the way to account for that. And you're drifting. You're starting to drift. And you're drifting away. Drifting begins in the little things. Drifting begins in neglecting God's word. It begins in neglecting to pray. It begins in neglecting to worship. Richard Phillips says, Often it happens unnoticed, almost imperceptibly, and only later do we notice the consequences. Hebrews warns us to not drift, but instead to give the more earnest heed to the things we have heard. Give earnest heed. That requires something. That requires work. Give earnest heed. Be serious about it. F.F. Bruce says, The truth and teaching of the gospel must not be held lightly. They are of supreme moment. They are matters of life and death. and must be cherished and obeyed at all costs. The danger of drifting away from them and so losing them cannot be treated too gravely. We must be serious about our faith. Now that doesn't mean we walk around with a somber look on our face and all of that, right? That means we're serious about the Lord Jesus Christ, and He brings joy. So we have to be filled with joy and thanksgiving and all of that. But we're serious about our faith. We, we drift away when we neglect so great a salvation, as verse 3 indicates. If we don't pay attention to our spiritual condition, we can so easily drift away and become ineffective and dull. And we will believe all sorts of lies from the world. And again, dealing with some young men that I've dealt with in my, in my life, it, it starts there. It starts making compromises. And pretty soon you're denying the inerrancy of Scripture and things like that. Because you have sin in your life and you want to have that sin. You want to... Enjoy that sin. And then you believe lies from the devil. And so, 
We ought to hold fast to the things we have heard. That's what we need to do. Hold fast to the things that we have heard. J.C. Ryle summarizes. He says, I will never shrink. I will never shrink from declaring my belief that there are no spiritual gains without pains. I should as soon expect the farmer to prosper in business who contented himself with sowing his fields and never looking at them till harvest, as expect a believer to attain much holiness who is not diligent about his Bible reading, his prayers, and the use of his Sundays. Verse 2 2 goes on to say, For if the word spoken through angels proved steadfast, and every transgression and disobedience received a just reward. And here we again see a reference to the Old Testament's truthfulness, the Old Testament's veracity, the word spoken through the angels. We think we don't oftentimes pick up on that. And I was thinking through that, but as I was looking at the text there, saying angels, what? Are you, what? And God spoke to, but there are references to the angels speaking the law to Moses in conjunction with God on Sinai. You pick up on that in Deuteronomy 32 too. Moses talks about that in Acts 7, 35 through 53. That's Stephen's sermon. He's talking about that, the angels, in Galatians 3:19. And so there's references to that. And so that's what's being talked about here. The word spoken through the angels proves steadfast that old covenant message. Spoken through the, the angels, proof steadfast. And every transgression and disobedience received the trust reward. And this old covenant word proved steadfast. That is unfailing, unwavering, reliable. It proved that it was reliable in contrast to those who neglect the word and were drifting. The word was reliable and brought about the punishment against those who transgressed the law and disobeyed the Lord. And we have those examples for us in the Word, those who drifted away. We have those examples for us. And we ought to pay attention to those. Men like Korah and Dathan and Abiram who drifted away, challenged Moses, challenged God's representative to them, and they're swallowed up by their earth and their rebellion. We have Nadab and Abihu who decided we want to do things our own way. I know God's word says this, we've been told to do it this way, but we're going to do it this way instead. And they offered up strange fire and they were struck down dead. We have the whole generation of the Israelites wandering in the wilderness for 40 years because they drifted away. They didn't believe God. And most of them died in rebellion against God. Many died in the wilderness in unbelief. These and many others serve as an example how the justice of God against sin and rebellion against him and his word results in judgment. And then the author asks, how shall we escape if we neglect so great a salvation which at the first began to be spoken by the Lord and was confirmed to us by those who heard him? If we neglect the greater salvation given in the Son of God in the new and greater covenant, which fulfills the old, how should we escape the judgment of God? That's the question that the author of Hebrews is asking. And Jesus was the revelation of God. That's what Hebrews 1 is talking about. Jesus is the revelation of God. As you look back in chapter 1, he's the express image 
of his person in 1-3. And he spoke to us the things of God. He showed us the things of God, what God was like in his person, in his incarnate person. He showed us who God is. And he fulfilled all of the old covenant looking to him. And the writer of Hebrews says, basically what the writer of Hebrews is saying is, are you going to neglect the salvation that the Old Testament angels and prophets pointed to? Are you going to neglect that? In one sense, he's saying, look, you Hebrew Christians, you've had the Old Testament scriptures, and you've been looking at that your entire life, and they're all pointing to Christ. Are you going to neglect what they've been telling you your whole life? Are you? Where is any comfort in drifting from that? Because that is the truth. We live in an age that sees the Old Testament as law. And now we live in the easy grace of the New Testament and of Jesus. And in one sense, there's some truth to that. But here's the question. What is harder? What is harder? What goes deeper? To sacrifice sheep and goats? Right? You've got to sacrifice sheep and goats, go through all the rituals of the Old Covenant? Or to love like Christ? Like Christ did in the Sermon on the Mount, when he commanded things like, you know, if you're angry with your neighbor, you've already committed murder in your heart. If you've lusted after a woman, you've already committed adultery in your heart. You see, Christ brings in the new and greater covenant. He fulfills the covenant. And what he does is, and there's hints of this in the Old Testament too, there's, there's texts that say, say exactly that. What Jesus does above all things is he takes all the blinders off and he says, you need to be changed from the heart out, from the inside out. And we're confronted here with the reality of apostasy, with abandoning the faith. You see, we have some of that example before us, don't we, in Scripture. We have Judas Iscariot. Judas Iscariot is an example of what that looks like. We have Demas, a friend of Paul's. We see Paul talking about Demas in Colossians and Philemon. And then in 2 Timothy 4.10, he says, Demas has abandoned me. We have that in Simus Magus, who wanted to, you know, he got baptized and all that, and then he wanted the power that the Holy Spirit could give. And he wanted to buy that power. He wanted to purchase that. That's why we call that kind of thing simony. These guys abandoned the faith. The Bible teaches, and I want to make this clear, the Bible teaches the eternal security of all true believers in Jesus Christ. Okay? Eternal security of all true believers in Jesus Christ. John 10, 28 says, I give them eternal life, and they will never perish, and no one will snatch them out of my hand. If someone is truly regenerate, if someone is truly regenerate, no one will snatch them out of Christ's hand. He who has begun a good work will see it through to completion. We hear in Philippians 
1.6. You see, we are secure through faith in Jesus Christ. But like a good tree, true faith is revealed by its fruit. Jesus gives us that example, Matthew 7. A true tree produces a, a true, faithful tree produces good fruit. And a bad tree produces bad fruit. And Peter tells us things like this. To be all the more diligent to make our calling and election sure. Right? Don't just fall asleep in the light. May be diligent to make our calling and election sure. And Paul says, examine yourselves to see whether you are in the faith. In 2 Corinthians 13.5. These are warnings to God's covenant people. You see? To remain steadfast in the word of God. To remain steadfast in the word spoken through the angels and the Lord and confirmed by his apostles. That's what's being said here in this text. His word and the gospel... It contains, the, the gospel contains, and it points us to Christ and Him crucified. And that's the key. It's pointing us to Christ and Him crucified. That's the anchor of our salvation. That is our anchor in salvation. Going back to the nautical terms. Christ and Him crucified, that's our anchor. God's word is the rudder to steer our lives straight and true. And should we neglect that? Jesus says, If you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed, and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. And he prays in John 17, 17, Sanctify them by your truth. Thy word is truth. We are called to fight the good fight, to run the race, right? Think of all these scriptures, to press on. We're called in God's word to strive, to follow after. And we do this through his word, which is trustworthy and true. And if that's not all, the word that's spoken through the angels, revealed through Christ the Lord and his apostles, God also bearing, as the text continues, God also bearing witness both with signs and wonders, with various miracles and gifts of the Holy Spirit according to his own will. If that's not all, here's more, he says. Here's more of what God did to prove and to show you the truth. The Lord God also testified to the truth, and he did so through the Holy Spirit, who ratified the truth of God's word and the testimony of the Son. And he did that in the early church, in this first century church, through signs and wonders and miracles and gifts. He's showing forth the veracity of his word. And the question is, should we neglect such a great salvation as that? Should we neglect such a great salvation as that? No. Instead, we ought to give the more earnest heed to the things that we have heard, lest we drift away. And we are called... To not drift, but to give earnest heed to the Lord. Now, there's some applications to us from this text. Um, first of all, to make it clear, Martin Lloyd-Jones says this. In the matter of our righteousness and justification, we can never say too often that we do nothing. We can do nothing. It is entirely the work of Christ. But once we are saved and given this new life, 
then the progressive work of sanctification does not call for passivity, and we are exhorted to activity. Salvation comes from the Lord. That's it. We're not working for our justification. It comes from the Lord and Him alone. But once we're saved, as our salvation continues, then we're in the life of sanctification. And we are called to work alongside the Lord. And the Lord's working in us, and He's doing things. And we are called to obedience and to live a life of activity. Salvation is holy of the Lord Jesus Christ. But in sanctification, we work with the Lord. We do the works that He prepared beforehand for us to walk in. And that means we grow in holiness and we grow to be more like Jesus. And second, um, we need to be diligently in God's word, lest we drift away. And where do we encounter God's word? Now think about this. Many, many of us evangelicals today would say that it's primarily in our personal devotions and bright, uh, personal Bible reading uh, that we have that we encounter God's word. And our family... I need to take a drink here. <laughs> Excuse me. Our family was just watching a DVD um, from Josh McDowell, and probably at least you adults know who Josh McDowell is, um, and uh, kind of a famous evangelist and stuff. And uh, it was his life story, and it was telling us all about his early childhood and how he came to the faith. Good movie. It was a great movie. At the end, um, he gets there and he's talking just to the people watching this movie. And he's telling them, you know, if you, and then he goes through the sinner's prayer, and if you've prayed this sinner's prayer with me, here's what I want you to do now. You know, what I want you to do is go tell another Christian that you uh, made this profession of faith. And then what I want you to do next, and he pops up his, his website on there, is go there, and I have a lot of different aids for you um, to help you in this newfound faith. Okay, that's fine. What's missing? What's missing? What does he tell him? Doesn't doesn't tell him anything about what? Going and getting with other believers, getting involved in a congregation, getting involved till he can hear God's word. God says. Through his word, through Paul, that the power of the word is in the foolishness of preaching. We need to hear God's preached word to us. You know, it's not Pastor DeWinkle, it's not me, but God calls us to hear his word preached. And there's a power in that, that he uses the foolishness of men like me and fool, foolish men like Dirk DeWinkle and, you know, whoever else to preach the word. We're not worthy to do that. But he calls us to be faithful to his word and to preach that word. And he says, that's how I work. You know, we have the privilege of having God's word today. What about people for the last 2,000 years that didn't have his word? What about people in third world countries? Where do they get the word preached to them? Or where do they hear the word? They hear it in the preaching of God's word as they gather together as God's people. And we need not neglect that. We need to encounter the preached word and our personal Bible study. And I'm not saying neglect that. But we need to be hearing God's word proclaimed to us week in and week out with joy and thanksgiving. 
And we also need to be involved in our personal reading and prayer. Let's not neglect any of those, lest we drift away. Third, there is application to us as parents as well. We are to apply God's word to our children, lest they drift away. Lest they drift away. We must give earnest heed to teach them when we sit in our homes, when we walk by the way, when we lie down, when we rise up. We're called to do that, aren't we? So that they do not drift away. God's word needs to be to us, like Charles Spurgeon says. It is blessed to eat into the very soul of the Bible until at last you come to talk in scriptural language and your spirit is flavored with the words of the Lord so that your blood is bibbling and the very essence of the Bible flows from you. God's word needs to be flowing from us in the work that we do with our hands. God's word needs to be flowing from us in our thoughts. God's word needs to be flowing from us in our homes, permeating our homes. God's word needs to be flowing from us even in the city gates. Wherever we find ourselves, in the city gates, we need to find the city gates. That's the vision that we have here in this text. And that's the application that needs to be driven into us, lest we drift away. And we see all these things coming to fruition here at the table that's set before us. We see the great salvation of our Lord Jesus Christ given to us in his broken body, in his shed blood, on our behalf. You know, we sent him to the cross because of our sin. And he, his, the only way to reconcile that was through his body to be broken and his blood shed on our behalf. Should we neglect so great salvation? We see the testimony of all the Old Testament scriptures finding their yes and their amen here in that, in the text, in the word incarnate, in Jesus. And we see that there represented before us. We glory in the joy of our salvation. And it's here at the table that we find the strength and nourishment from our Lord Jesus Christ. We ought not to neglect that either. We need to be finding that strength and nourishment in Jesus Christ to be ever diligent so that we do not drift away from such a great salvation. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Let us pray. Thank you for listening to these excerpts from the worship service of Christ Church of Livingston County. If you would like further information about anything in these messages, the Bible, about Christ Church of Livingston County, or wish to make any other related inquiry, please feel free to contact Pastor Dirk DeWinkle through our website, ChristKirkMI.com. That's C-H-R-I-S-T-K-I-R-K-M-I.com. Again, thank you and blessings.